Hey there, so in this conversation we talked all about conflict and what that means as we go through our life changes from early childhood until the present and all the different things that show up mm -hmm. as a result. Yeah, we talk a lot about what actually drives the conflict and uh, what influences the result of it in our relationship within ourselves, our internal battles, um, our other relations with our children, our friends and groups that we are a part of and how our emotions are really driving everything. They're even driving what our hormones are doing in our bodies and also dictating our relationships. So this conversation is all about that story and how we can release it to actually create moments of growth rather than discomfort. Welcome to the Health Ignited Podcast with your hosts, Dr. Nick and Sonia Jensen. We are partners, parents, business partners, doctors, yoga teachers, and retreat leaders. We promise to bring you real conversations to awaken and ignite your potential to live your best life possible. Join us each week as we dive into topics varying from brain health, biohacking, hormones, and longevity, to relationships, parenting, meditation, and more. Together, creating community and building stronger foundations for the generations to come. The, the idea of variation in a relationship is super important, which kind of hopefully rolls us into a conversation around like having different opinions and what that means mm -hmm. for a relationship. And ultimately, like, when does it move into conflict and challenge and repercussions that seem unresolvable? And when is it time to reconcile those conflicts? Mm -hmm. So are you speaking to people having different ways of doing life or different values or are you talking more to like our responses are because of the variation that we've experienced in life? I think all of it. And then like how that affects us hormonally, mm -hmm. you know, because how we come into a, an experience with someone, maybe, maybe we're having a really bad day. <laughs> maybe we didn't sleep well, maybe we didn't eat right, right. maybe we didn't recover properly and therefore all we see is problems. Yeah. So, okay, let's, let's take an example. We're, we're um, discussing the kids. We have a different of a difference of opinion. And we're trying to counsel them on, well, we could take a real life example. We're trying to counsel them on whether or not to participate in a sporting event mm -hmm. or, or, or like a, a sport. And, and we may meet that challenge differently just because we've got different life experiences and, and all sorts of other things. But what do you, when, when you see me about to entertain a conflict with, with our boys, what's going on through your mind? Well, this specific example was around basketball. Mm -hmm. And so in my mind, when I was witnessing you speaking to him, I was like, okay, is he pushing this so hard because he played basketball and it's important for him to hit, for his kids to also love the sport that he loves? So that was one question I had. But I think what you said to Kyan this morning that was really important was um, to not give in to the feeling that he's having in that moment but to be able to make a decision that's not based on that feeling, but just wanting more like variation for him. So I think it evolved into something that was really great um, and an important conversation to have with him about not getting caught up in the emotion because we do tend to see everything through the lens of emotion. So again, my initial thing was like, oh God, here we go again. <laughs> but... Um, so I had those, that dialogue in my mind. I'm like, okay, is this because he wants him to just play basketball? Like, we already know what sport he loves, so why can't he just play that? So I was dialoguing in my mind about all those things, but then letting the two of you have your dialogue and recognizing that 
right now witnessing Kayan and his um, desire to not want to do this wasn't really based on the sport. There were some other things going on. So when I see you approaching something, I do ask that, like, okay, is it actually because of what's going on for them? Mm -hmm. Or is it because of your experience and your relationship to sports and the ease that you had with sports and the desire that you have innately to play sports and be active, whereas, like, he's a different personality. So is it about him or is it about you? Mm -hmm. So I do question that. And that's even for myself, same thing. Because yeah. in that moment, I was like, why wouldn't you play a sport? I wasn't allowed to play sports. And so for me, it's like, here's this opportunity for you to like express yourself. So why wouldn't you do that? So I would also come at it with that emotion because it stirs mm -hmm. emotion for me of like not being able to express myself in that way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so many different things can come up for each person in mm -hmm. the the single conversation. Mm -hmm. So I want to say like thank you so much for giving me space to articulate my concerns about him not playing or or help hopefully helping him try to dialogue on on why where he's stuck. You know, what's his decision making process? Where is he coming from? You know, I think something this is, is something really relevant for all people across any um, situation and and discussion point is that often we're just trying to prove the other person wrong. We're just we're arguing about the what but we're not really asking the why. Mm -hmm. So let me say that another way. We're often um, having issues with the conflict itself. You think things, or one person thinks things a certain way, the other person has a different you know, outcome for how things are supposed to go. That's arguing around the end result. But we're not spending enough time really asking, well, what brought you to that end result? You know, what brought you to that why? You know, why are you feeling this way? And I think that's where that's really important to dialogue on. And you you highlighted, you know, some of that while you were observing the conversation. Mm -hmm. So, you know, good for you for really just sitting back and watching. And um, and so, yeah, let's talk about some of those scenarios. So ultimately, if we took a step back, everybody comes into a situation with their own history, mm -hmm. their own hormonal, you know, experience in that moment too like maybe someone's already feeling really depressed or down or disappointing themselves and and then they come into a new moment and maybe this is partly where Kyan's coming from he's like oh here we go again <laughs> we're talking about this basketball thing this thing that I you know we discussed about committing to and I'm feeling disappointed in myself I'm disappointed I don't want to let my dad down so maybe Kyan even entered this discussion already feeling a little down mm -hmm. you know and so yeah. let's talk a little bit about how you know, how do we prepare ourselves maybe for conflict and, and what do we need to recognize within ourselves when we're coming into that experience? Yeah, I think that timeline thing is important to recognize that we're coming into this moment because of all the other moments that we've experienced yeah. and how our brain has now created this imprint between the nervous system, the brain, the hormones and everything that are going to fuel our response. But the first thing that we feel in that moment is a bubbling of certain emotions. So our senses are kind of waking up and we're getting information from that sense. So we're feeling this like visceral feeling possibly. And then that's like creating maybe our extra heart, like the heart rate's going up or we're getting sweaty because we're getting worked up due to an emotion. So understanding where our story comes from and maybe like mapping out our timeline. And this is kind of what I go through in my book too is that depending on our timeline and our stories from before, that's what started the mapping out of our hormones from day one. From the womb, 
if there are stressors around us, uh, we created different hormones at different times to make sure that we could survive the world that we were coming into. Starting age three to five, we have different surges. And as we move into puberty, depending on our experiences, our beliefs, our environment, all of that's going to impact what we believe conflict should look like or should not look like mm -hmm. and what was modeled for us. So I think, yeah, just having that awareness of like, okay, in this moment, am I actually reacting or am I responding? And maybe it's like everybody takes a time out for a little while so that you can actually assess that because it's hard to do in the moment. Mm -hmm. And it isn't until you practice that over and over again that in the moment there could be a bit of a pause of like, okay, wait, am I actually, is it because I love basketball or is it because I want him to experience variation in his like athleticism that will then support him in the sport that he likes? Mm -hmm. So like this, I think this is a good example because it involves many people, even Soren got in <laughs> the conversation. So, you know, uh, and, and I, you know, this is something I really love about your family too. You, like your brother specifically, he loves to, you know, really get his point provoke. of view, provoke, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's great because so much awareness can come from conflict. And I think it's, you know, and I also said this to, to Kaya too, something I really appreciate about him is that he is not afraid to create, to, to deliver his opinion to, towards me. And I really respect that. And also feel like I really love that we created space for that to happen. So, um, but I, I, more and more, I'm starting to see conflict is really training ground. It's, it's an opportunity like to, to fine tune your senses, to fine tune your, your emotional state, to, you know, really ask that question, well, what am I trying to, what am I trying to really get at? What's my end result that I'm trying to deliver? And what are the, what do I really want to know about where the other person is stuck? You know, that's sort of what I was doing. Like, what angle do I need to communicate to this individual in order to find rapport? and find an in so that we can connect and then we can go, okay, well tell me really like, why is it that you're struggling with this decision to, to commit? And so, you know, on his end, it was like maybe time away from his friends that he wants to play with, or maybe it's gonna interfere with lunch hours, or it's just this another thing that I gotta do in my week and it's kind of cramping my week, you know, curriculum that I wanna set up as an individual. So some of that independence, um, you know, there's probably a thousand different things, but his ability to articulate all those things really comes down to, I just don't want to. <laughs> right, yeah. Right. And it's, I think it's what you pointed out with him too. It's the emotion that he's feeling in the moment. There's yeah. discomfort for him. Mm -hmm. Just like it is for us, when there's conflict, there's discomfort and we don't want to step into discomfort or pain. Or if it happens and if we were modeled conflict in a way that never happened in front of us or that conflict was bad or that conflict met meant um, you don't love that person anymore, then if that happens in a moment for us, then we're gonna go back to that story mm -hmm. and not want to step into the pain of what's going on and actually understand. Instead, it's easier to avoid or to feel like, oh, well, if there's conflict, that means there's no love anymore. That means whatever, whatever. Mm -hmm. I mean, I love that you said that because I think that's fascinating that we will make meaning of an experience and label it as such and then believe it. Mm -hmm. Like there's so much power in believing things are a certain way without any true investigation. I mean, that's happening globally right now too, where there's just a way. And then if you don't believe that you're canceled out of the social experience, you're canceled out of the tribe, Yeah. like nuance and like identifying different components, different, you know, versions of truth 
are like they're everywhere there it just depends on which lens you want to look through you you will find truth somewhere yeah well my right? sister and i were talking about this like now our discussions they're not not all but it's instead of it being from like intellect and understanding it, it's all from emotion yeah and it's because we're behind a screen having our own emotion and then our thumbs go wild on whether it's like text message or on social media mm -hmm. and we put our opinion out there because that person isn't in front of us in that moment. Mm -hmm. So we're not going to experience that person's facial expression or their body language or how our words are actually impacting that person. We're just giving our opinion and wanting everyone to agree with it. Mm -hmm. And so I think there's so much challenge right now because we're not pausing and reflecting and understanding, we're just reacting with emotion. Mm -hmm. And I mean, so much dis dis discomfort within the body is experienced just because we're deciding to, to label that person as something in order to defend a position. It's like we're spending more time trying to pit, put other people inside of a box so that we are justified in feeling a certain way. So I feel, you know, empowered that I can, you know, I'm using an example, of course, make someone feel bad because they don't think the same things that I do. And so therefore, that's them, that's just who they are, that label or criteria, you know, identifies them as such a, a minutia, it's such a small part of mm -hmm. actually who they are. And yet, you know, on that other person, or sorry, I think in that experience, that's where else where you're gonna feel a bit of that lack of love. It's like, I've just been labeled as such, and now am I being identified as a certain type of individual and so now I'm experiencing a lack of love and so how do I fight back if there's if there's an absence of love you know what's the emotion and, and reaction to that mm -hmm. what would you say you said a few different things and then I got lost okay. <laughs> <laughs> you're right I did I did say a few different things but I just think it's so interesting okay, so there's an interesting dynamic I think social in the social media world where um, because we don't know really where someone's coming from right. we just put them inside of a box and lab label them as such and, you know, if you're labeled as something, it's really hard to get out of the box. And so you're feeling like this person only sees me as this and I'm not feeling any love from this person. So right. And that happens on like a macro level also, like yeah. within the family dynamic or Definitely. a couple dynamic or friendship and siblings and any relationship, really. Um, when As soon as we have an idea of who somebody is and we put them there and we're constantly telling them, that's who mm. they are. And this happens in children. We talk yeah. about that with um, our kids too. It's the younger one, like we were always saying like he's like the funny guy or whatever. And then all of a sudden you started to notice he tries to be funnier to gain that acceptance or yeah. maybe feels like in order to feel that love, he has to be funny. So like here it is now he's created an identity. Mm -hmm. And I think that happens with all of us when there's a label put on someone that becomes their identity. And then all of a sudden we're not being curious about where that person is coming from mm -hmm. in their in their opinion. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So with the the goal of this conversation isn't necessarily reform how social media is conducted. No. <laughs> but it's an opportunity to like really take a real good look at how we're showing up in conflict. Because all the only thing we have control over is, you know, the thoughts we choose to to think and engage in and, and then the actions that we take in response to to the the perceptions we have, right? Mm -hmm. So what is what is the ask for an individual when they're experiencing conflict? What would be the first thing? Is just maybe accept that, okay, I'm, I'm, in, I'm in the middle of something? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think understanding what emotion you're feeling. Like, is it fear? 
or are you freezing in that moment or are you wanting to fight in that moment so recognizing what your conflict response is so okay so now here your sympathetic nervous system is active so the hormones like cortisol and adrenaline are now active so where do you mostly go so if you freeze most likely in a conflict then you're going to disengage or detach and not want to be a part of that conflict because maybe something happened in the past and you've experienced where your voice wasn't acknowledged or you tried to settle things um or you tried to give your opinion and it wasn't honored so it was you created a belief that's better just to disengage or are you going to flee that's another way of detaching from it because that just feels easier instead of actually going into what's happening and then the other one is fighting are you going to keep on going even if in your mind you realize oh wait okay maybe there's another viewpoint here you're still going to defend yourself because that's that's been what's been wired inside of you because that's what worked for you to help you survive and i think what we don't recognize is in that moment if we linger in any one of those that's where we become more detached and more disconnected and we're now not curious about the situation anymore we're just defending our identity now mm-hmm. and isn't that interesting i mean you can literally have one experience that where you um then believe that identity as a result of how you behaved or how you reacted or or what how the other person reacted and that can literally be imprinted in your consciousness subconsciousness and that's just how you behave for the rest of your life mm-hmm. i feel like again something else i really want people to tune into is how much of what you see yourself to be is just a result of one or two moments in your life that you haven't really gone back and looked at all the different angles. Mm-hmm. And you know, when when I really think about this, it just makes me realize how changeable our personality really can be or or not even just our personality but our ability to see where we're stuck in our personality and then make different decisions. Mm-hmm. Because so much of what happens to us, we make meaning and create this identity and then and then we're almost like, oh, I didn't show up in the way that I'm supposed to. What's what's wrong? Am I having an off day? I think it's funny how we so um aggressively maybe maintain who we are in in, in as many situations as possible when really we have an opportunity to actually be someone different mm-hmm. in a moment. Yeah, cuz like without that then it's like, well, who then who am I? Yeah. And And why is that so scary for people, you think? Well, I think it's one because it's worked up until that moment. Right. It's probably worked for it them. It worked to mean so many different things. Exactly. Too, right? So it yeah. worked to help them survive their moments. Maybe they went through some big T traumas where they had to step into that moment with fight, flight or free, um freeze. And so then that's that again becomes their identity and without that they don't feel safe. And maybe they decided on that identity because that's what helped them get attention or maybe that's what helped them feel significant in a relationship so without that then how are you going to get those things or that basic thing of actually feeling that love that you were talking about that will go away if i'm not who i am or who i always have been so i think there's fear around that i think there's grief that shows up on releasing old identities because we are not taught that we do have this whole map in front of us that we get to create but instead like you said we're just kind of reveling in like what who we were and not knowing that we can make a decision to change that any moment mm-hmm. i mean you've been through some huge life transformations mm-hmm. and you've been seen a certain way to your family to your culture to the people that have known you intimately uh i mean like friendship wise to to beyond like you you were seen a certain way 
you at some point, you know, like many people do shed that identity. And I mean, you're even in our own relationship, like you just own so much more about who you are and who you're becoming. And I find it fascinating just to think of like, you know, even just in our own journey, our own relationship, just how much you've changed. It's, it's, it's phenomenal. Do you want to talk a little bit? It scares you. No, it excites me because it like it encourages. At one point, me. you said it scared you a little bit. <laughs> well, it, I don't, maybe scared wasn't the right word. More, more yeah. it's like, how do I meet my partner in this in her in her power in her new way of being? You know that that it took some time to unfold. It's not like you were here one day and here the next. But it's exciting, and and I guess the scary part is like, can I keep up? Can I can I keep showing up? Can I keep evolving? Can I? Can I keep her interested in, in, in me because I'm also invested in, you know, learning and growing myself. But, um, and we can talk about that in more detail too if you want. But you do you want to share a little bit about your own journey? Because you definitely saw yourself a certain way mm-hmm. for a stretch of time. And, you know. yeah. yeah, I mean, if anyone wants to get into details, they can read the book. Mm-hmm. But it was, a lot of it was due to cultural conditioning and um, feeling that I had to be a certain way in order to be accepted into the culture, into the family, and this is just the role that you play, and you move on from going to school, you get married, you have kids. Like It was just already laid out because that's what people did before me. Mm-hmm. And um, it was in naturopathic school when I actually started working with other women in our third and fourth year and seeing women in their 40s and 50s and 60s and going through their hormonal changes and also getting divorced, feeling really depressed, saying things like, I've been living my whole life for other people. I don't know who I am. I'd rather not be here because I don't know who I am. So witnessing that, it was such a mirror for me and a reflection for me of like, I'm going to be sitting in that chair at that time. I will be sitting with that cancer diagnosis if I don't shift something now. And so for me, I think that allowed me space to recognize that how I was living wasn't me. And I always had clues coming up, like my you know, the emotions that I would feel throughout the month, like it was very hormonal for me. And that's why I've linked these two together, like emotions, stress, trauma, and hormones is because my hormonal picture was all over the place. Mm -hmm. And so once I started to learn my hormonal blueprint and really tying that together with my story, I understood that my body's been trying to tell me something for a long time. And if I don't choose to change now, I'm going to be sitting there like them. And so that was what drove me to shifting. And like you said, it didn't happen overnight. There were like small steps and then bigger steps that I had to take. But that's what drove me in that direction. Mm-hmm. And, you know, looking back, you know, you said the point, like it was actually necessary because, I mean, it's like the, the book, um, The Body Keeps a Score. It's mm-hmm. like there's an imprint of physiological, emotional, hormonal trauma that exists within our you know, consciousness and our physical body and our cells. And if we don't change our behavior, the adaptation is to, to move deeper and deeper into disease, mm-hmm. right? Which can manifest as a physical illness, mm-hmm. obviously. Yeah, and we talked about resentment. I think it was last week or the week before. And like I was stepping into that. I was just feeling resentful of my life or even being a woman and all the things because of the cultural conditioning. And I love my culture. So I knew that there was a disconnect there. So I had to shift something or else I was going to stay stuck in anger and resentment for the rest of my life. And I, didn't, that was, I knew that wasn't me. Mm-hmm. And yet, like that anger and resentment was a, a necessary stepping stone mm-hmm. for you, right? Yeah. And I think like this is another important point is that we can have these emotions identify as such and then honestly perpetuate the same behavior just through a different emotional energy. 
So like we have to graduate beyond the anger at some point and you know translate that, that into something else. But yeah. I think a lot of people get stuck there. Maybe the women that were seeing you were feeling so much frustration and anger they didn't know what to do with that energy or where yeah. to direct it, right? Yeah, it's like that book, um, The Senses of the Soul, that talks about emotions being those senses. So we get um, stimulation um, through our senses, like touch, hearing, visual, and all of that, which then tells the emotions how to respond. And so these emotions also are our like sixth sense, I guess, that will show us where we are and where we need to go. So like he's talked about anger, like anger can be used as fuel for action. But when it gets stuck, that's when we have challenge in our hormonal system, in our neurotransmitters, in our immune system specifically, it will increase your inflammatory markers like C-reactive protein and interleukin-6 specifically. So if that's happening continuously, now all of your physiology is responding to that emotion. And if we're quick to that in a scenario, if we're in conflict and our first response is anger, the immune system's like, oh, here we go again. Is there an infection? Is there something else going on? Do I need to fire myself up? So we're constantly creating this inflammatory picture, which then you know can show up in different ways for all of us, whether it's inflammation in our brain or hormonal issues or whatever it is. But then that underlying cause of that emotion not being channeled properly is what's creating that chaos. Mm -hmm. Yeah, in, in uh, this is Dr. Hawkins, he talks about uh, in his book, Power Versus Force, there's this sort of like categorizes or enumerates different emotional um, states to a specific frequency in the body. And anger is an interesting one because it's just sort of hovers between the negative, you know, the, the whole list of negative emotions and into the positive. So the one on into the positive is courage. Mm -hmm. And so much of uh, our anger can either be, um, you know, directed back towards us, where we move into apathy and all those other sort of deeper negative emotional states, or we can direct that into something that moves us into courage and allows us to take action. So at some point, like, you know, that, all that um, discomfort that you would have felt, you would have been able to direct that into something else. Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, I think that's why I was obsessed with working out. Right, because I could direct my anger yeah. through through that, and it was I was so rigid with it that even if I went to sleep at like two in the morning studying, I had to get up at five and go, mm -hmm. even though I know it was depleting for me. But I needed that at that time of my life to help fuel that anger in a different direction. Yeah. So think about how many different ways that we would cope with conflict in our lives. Mm -hmm. Like it, you know, you you chose something healthy, but also at the same time it was probably depleting you. Um, and, and maybe you could speak to a little bit about why working out. So it was a f way to facilitate anger, but it, was it also a way to facilitate you looking a certain way that maybe like kept you sort of as part of like accepted in your, your cultural tribe? Like, did you, I mean, one thing you did share with me when you were younger was like you, you had to always look beautiful, always had to look nice, always had to wear the right clothes and dress up for the right events and things mm -hmm. like that. Um, and so I think the reason I bring that up, and, and feel free to answer as, as you like, but the reason I bring that up is sometimes I think we move into a, a habit that maybe on the surface looks really healthy, mm -hmm. but there could be an orthorexic component to it, maybe in your case, uh, you know, or maybe speak to that. Like when, when does our vice actually no longer serve us? Mm -hmm. Because you could say that working out is a fantastic tool, a great way to get energy out, right? 
Yeah, no, I'm sure there was part of that just because of my history with body image too. But I would say in that moment, more than that, it was because that was the only time I had control over my time. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I mean, that other stuff is a whole other story that was mostly because of my ex-in-laws and whatnot, <laughs> having to look a certain way. Um, and yeah, I mean, that's like a whole other can of worms that you could probably open with me feeling like beauty is actually a curse. Um, but yeah, we'll save that for another podcast. We'll save that for another <laughs> podcast. <laughs> um, but I would say in that moment, it really was because that is where, because I was so stuck in my mind all the time. Mm -hmm. And that was the only time where I was actually in my body and present in that moment. So it actually brought me to presence. So yes, it was depleting in a way where I was, wasn't actually paying attention to the fact that my adrenals are probably burnt out from being in school for so long and under the stress that I was under going to bed late, not living a lifestyle that was actually fueling my hormones and body at all. But I would say during that time, it was the only thing that actually made me happy. Mm -hmm. It gave me the endorphins that I needed. So yes, it's the same thing as any other vice. It's usually, whether it's food or a drug or anything, like you feel like that's the only thing that's gonna give you that feeling of happiness. And I guess the gym was mine at yeah. that time. And, and maybe like, I think sometimes we f we forget about the the aspect. I, I like to think as time is a, is a form of medicine to some degree, and that sometimes we, when we're in the middle of something, it feels like we're just spinning our wheels and we're in it for so long. But there's a factor of time where we just another way to re reference time might be integration. Mm. You had to go through this. You had to integrate this into your life so you could cope with the scenario, and then you learn more about yourself, your hormones. You probably tested your hormones. You did other things to really understand all the impacts of your, the way you adapt to, to life, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, because this conversation, though it's gonna be unique to each individual, everybody has some big life conflicts that they have to reconcile, you know, how they grew up, you know, their cultural conditioning, the, the traumas that they faced. And then there's the day-to-day, -day, like the little mini conflicts that, that mm -hmm. we go through where we can, and like I said before, I think, those mini conflicts are really like it's your testing ground. Mm -hmm. How can I show up differently here so that it can help me really reconcile maybe some of those bigger things that, that are going on in life? Yeah, and I think also like there's the internal conflicts too that sometimes we're not sharing outwardly right, yeah. that are going on depending on like... The ones we're trying to hide maybe even. Yeah, ones yeah. we're trying to hide or like the identity shift that we're going through. So we've talked a lot about, you know, when we have certain friend groups and maybe there's a certain lifestyle that we were living that attracted that friend group and we want to step into something different or we want to grow in a different way and maybe that group isn't necessarily ready for you to change or to match where you want to go and that can create that inner conflict of like if I step into this other person that I want to be with different habits what's that going to do for me in terms of my social life or just my connections because mm -hmm. sometimes that can feel very lonely trying to step away from a group and we are wired to be in a tribe mm -hmm. or to be in a community and if we're not it's going to hinder our survival so i think that creates inner conflict so how we show up to that is also going to be according to our story from before like have we felt that before when we didn't feel like we belonged or we felt alone or were we picked on as a child so that's going to then influence whether you stay with that group or whether you actually honor yourself and move to something that's going to serve you mm -hmm. Yeah, and there can be so much fear around that because, you know, even if someone's feeling discomfort within a group because maybe they're growing, outgrowing it or what have you, they're still gaining 
reward from it and feeling like there, there's acceptance, even mm -hmm. if it's partially not true acceptance, because if that friend, friend group were to know who you truly were, there's a chance that you wouldn't be Possibly. accepted. Possibly, or maybe or they not. would totally yeah. encourage you and totally. want that for you, and maybe you will inspire them yeah. to actually shift things for themselves. Yeah. But I think because we create that conflict within, and we have all those thoughts and stories and beliefs that sometimes we don't even give ourselves an opportunity to see what could unfold. Yeah, definitely. So taking this into like, what are some lifestyle or like, symptoms or things that people might be experiencing on the sort of repetitive nature because they're stuck in conflict like what are some common things that you see obviously there's there's like diet there's lifestyle there's other factors but what are some things that you see maybe in more particular to, to men or women or maybe women that when they're stuck in conflict certain things seem to show up in in your practice like in a physical yeah, physical, health? physical physical yeah. health kind of way so often um Going back to the flight freeze or freeze, it's kind of like what I laid out in the book with the diva, the duchess, and the damsel. So if, if a woman is used to not voicing her opinion or has shut her opinion down because it doesn't feel safe or hasn't felt safe or she maybe it doesn't feel significant enough to voice what it is that she needs, that woman I often see will have some sort of thyroid issue just because that's her communication center or some sort of... Um, cancer, some sort of growth, like cysts and fibroids and things, because everything is so contained mm -hmm. and there's no expressiveness yeah, that she's resentment. able to relate. And there's that resentment piece too, which yeah. also makes us yeah. sick. So I see that a lot. So let's, let's break down the thyroid a little bit. So yeah. if someone has a thyroid illness or disruption, what are some of the common symptoms for that? Yeah, so fatigue, um, depression, temperature, dysregulation, uh, weight gain often as well and so when that's happening it can show up differently within the thyroid too so maybe if there has been more anger and resentment and the immune system's been like overactivated it could look like Hashimoto's like an autoimmune an autoimmune thyroid, condition yeah. um, or it's just slowing too, down yeah insomnia as well yeah mm -hmm. okay so that was that was more the damsel that's the damsel, damsel. yeah because okay. she's the peeper People pleaser. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Okay, so yeah. what about the Duchess? Yeah, the Duchess was the one in control. Mm -hmm. So she is the one that, and again, we can have like pieces of each one of these sure. within yeah. us, but this is the one like who's like the CEO of her family and her business and is just able to get boss things lady. done. Like the boss lady, she's kind of got it together from the outside, but yeah. internally there's conflict because she's totally burnt out, but has to live up to this identity that she's created or this, these roles that she's playing mm -hmm. and is like very scheduled and probably very rigid. So often has sleep issues, digestive issues, um, also think like irregularity in her cycles because she's so stuck in that yang state of like action and mm -hmm. has no time or space to just be. Mm -hmm. And so what, what does that mean being stuck in the, and we'll get to the last one, the Duchess, yeah. but what does it mean to be stuck in the yang state? So within each of us, we have a yin and yang state. We have mm -hmm. the balance between the, uh, <laughs> look at my words. People pleaser. <laughs> the feminine and the masculine energies. Yeah. And so we tap into each one in different moments. And for females, anyone that's stuck in more of that yang state, and maybe they have to be, maybe they're a single mom. And that's just who they have to be in order to survive all their moments. But if we get stuck there, we're stuck in that sympathetic drive. Mm -hmm. And then we have no opportunity to be in that parasympathetic being state to actually digest our food, to sleep well, to, to heal better. 
there was a study done of um, a bunch of college students where they checked their inflammatory markers and their state of like wound healing between semesters. So they're like summer semester. Wow. And then when they were writing their exams and across the board, each of them had like slower wound healing when mm -hmm. they were writing their exams compared to like the summer semester. Mm -hmm. So it just shows like when we're in that state of stress all the time, our immune system takes a hit, our digestion system takes a hit because we're just constantly doing and in action. Yeah, totally. So other common symptoms for like, for the for the diva, what would you say? Like you so we were just talking about the Duchess. Oh, the, no, the diva. No, you asked me about the Duchess. Oh, the boss lady. I thought we were talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, she's the Duchess. Oh, she's Diva's the Duchess. Different. Sorry, sorry. Okay, <laughs> so the Duchess, she yeah. like what? What are some of the common symptoms? Like gut stuff, gut headaches, stuff, insomnia. Yeah, migraines before her period. Often irregularities. So sometimes missing her period. A lot of amenorrhea mm. is going on in menopause. Like hot flashes, night sweats. Um, a lot of like, just a lot of heat in her system. Yeah, mm -hmm. cool, okay. So the diva? The diva, yeah. So I know people get those two confused. And so the diva is like, everything looks great on the outside, but inside it doesn't so much. Like mm. just very insecure on the inside because of, again, her life experiences. But on the outside is, you know, like the life of the party. Mm -hmm. And everyone wants to be around her and seems very extroverted. And everyone may even go to her with all their problems, but internally she's internalizing all of that and has a hard time not being perfect. And so perfection is a huge thing. So there's, again, even with her, there's more rigidity. And so with someone that's kind of stuck in that perfection state, again, constipation is usually something that shows up mm -hmm. because they're not able to be in the flow of life and go with life. And often, um, even for her, growths, like fibroids and whatnot, because again, there's no expressive outlet for her either because she's playing a role. Mm -hmm. She's not really true to her, who she actually is, but she's just playing that identity and role. Yeah. So which out of those three do you relate to most? All of them. Yeah. So, do, okay, let's take you through like your, your, your history. Who did you relate to most when you were younger? Oh, the damsel. I don't know. So I feel like I had all three of them yeah. in me throughout and then I would tap into each one depending on what I was doing. If mm -hmm. I was in school, I would tap into one. If I was at home, I was somebody different. So I think we tap into each one, but what happens is sometimes we get stuck in one. Right. And so I would say my later years, yeah, I say like really young, I was probably the diva, but like later on turned into more of like the damsel because I couldn't express what it is that I actually wanted. Now you're Duchess. Probably the Duchess now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But again, like each, the, each of them has power. Yeah, And it's sure. when we can access the power of each, I think that's when we feel more in balance with our hormones, with our conflicts, with our relationships. But it's when we're stuck in one and not knowing how to navigate it that creates challenge. Mm -hmm. Well, I love that you created the archetype. And when we talk about archetypes, to your point, like you could be a mixture of all of them. Yeah, and these right? are just how I relate to yeah. it. Doesn't mean everybody does. No, definitely. And but I find that interesting because you know we can change those hats of the identities through time. You can actually call on the energy of it. Like mm -hmm. there's a way to you know really express as say a diva in a certain moment. Yeah. Versus or a duchess or what have you. Well, there was that book. Um, because it seems like no one wants to be a damsel, but. 
but maybe you can talk but about that. But the damsel, like her, she's the community leader because right. she's the one that gathers everybody and she's the one that you're going to call 3 a.m. when you have a problem mm -hmm. because she's so heart-centered and like wants to mother you and support you. Okay. So everybody wants to be the damsel. Okay, yeah, yeah. I love it. <laughs> okay. Great. Well, I was going to refer to this other book that we read before with the conversation between a philosopher and a student, mm. um, The Courage to Be Happy. Yeah. And there was one the example. The Courage to Be Disliked too, wasn't it? Yes, courage yeah, yeah, should courage be, disliked. be disliked. The second yeah. one's courage should be happy. Yeah. I think. Um, so there was an example in there where um, a mother and daughter were having a conflict and fighting. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden the phone rings. And then the mother picks it up and is really pleasant because realizes it's like a teacher that's calling. And all of a sudden totally changes her state. Right. Her nervous system has changed, puts the phone down and back into the argument in that same state. So it was just yeah. an example of like we do have control over our state in every moment, even within a conflict but it's often the story that we're carrying or what we're trying to defend that will keep us going. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, isn't that interesting how quickly we can shift gears? And like, what is the desire there, like in that situation, to be seen a certain way? Mm. You want to be seen, like if you bring up maybe the Duchess, that you want to be seen as like, I got everything taken care of, like I'm a nice mom, I'm, I'm, I'm all these things. And then, you know, when it comes to the people that we're really closest to, we're more comfortable sharing a little bit about uh, like our, our diversified personality. Mm -hmm. We can be kind of a jackass. So let's talk about yours. We've been talking a lot about mine. Oh, you want to you talk about me now? <laughs> yeah, <Okay>. why not? <laughs> let's do it. What, what, what are your different Jekyll and Hydes? Yeah, I haven't come up with a, a cool little uh, name archetype for them, mm -hmm. but I, I mean, I, I can see myself, we talked about the fluctuations even male testosterone, right? And how that can really play a huge role in how I show up each day. You know, I can feel the differences in my body, you know, and a lot of that could have to do with sleep and exercise and connection time with you and the kids, you know, I, I can... I can Desire to be liked. Desire to be liked, yeah. Is that, is that the point you're trying to get across? Okay. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, uh, but do you want me to sort of come up, come up with an archetype or do you want me to just really no. just talk about me? Yeah. My, my own, like, wounding as yeah. a child. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> We always talk about mine. It's true. It's true. <laughs> yeah. So I think, yeah, it's interesting because we, we, I, I got us to to do this course called self-authoring with Jordan Peterson, and it was great because it, it lists down all your present-time faults, all the things that are repetitions in your, in the way you handle stress, the you know the different challenges that you face, and then you get to prioritize which one, which of the issues seem to be the the one that that's the most prevalent and and maybe has caused you or participated in creating a lot more discomfort for you because you're trying to be a certain way as far as an identity goes. So that, I think that's where I revealed in that experience and you've also let me know many times over that my desire to be liked, my desire for approval, acceptance, etc., drives or could drive a lot of my behavior. And so in the, my own personal experience, a lot of that for me sh showed up in, in sports my desire to be seen as someone who's really good at basketball, as an example. And needing, like, not really feeling like I arrived until I get congratulated for having a good game, or what have you. And that was my own worst enemy. It was very, very hard on myself. Um, I had to be a certain way, I had to perform a certain way, I had to score a certain amount of baskets. And if I didn't perform, I was devastated. I remember actually, earlier before I got into basketball with soccer, um, we played against a, another team, I was probably grade four or five, 
And I identified so strongly as a soccer player that I told my teacher my, my future occupation was going to be a professional soccer player. That my identity was completely wrapped up in athlete. We were playing against this other team, and um, I was I recognized that I wasn't better than their best player on the other team, and that bothered me like crazy. And and I think we lost by two points. My uh, I walked home. I, no one was watching. None, none of my family members were watching. But I walked home, and I was like asthmatic, heaving in despair that we lost. And I remember um, the feeling that I had was like, I can't believe there's someone better than me. Like, what are people going to think? Um, I wasn't as good as that other player today. It really bothered me. And I remember heaving, and, and the, the story I told my mom was like, oh, like my asthma came up, and I was like, I couldn't breathe properly. I'm not breathing well right now. Like, something's wrong. Like, we lost the game. Like, but what I was really feeling was like someone, other people would see that I wasn't as good as that player. And so I've, where did that come from? I have no idea. But that seemed to show up many times to the point where I would choose not to compete in even a, an under-16 basketball team because I had a, a friend who was also like a rival, like a, a friend that I didn't want to be better than me. And so when I tried out for this team, I actually pulled out because I didn't want to be in competition with him. I didn't want it to be labeled somewhere that, that my friend beat me to that position. And so I actually just exited myself from that scenario to not even have to show up. So then how does this influence <clears throat> how you step into conflict today? Well, I, I think that there's this inherent theme of like, I want to be seen as the best, I want to be seen in in the light. I want to be seen as um, the person who who was right, or, or all those things. And I think as a result of that, nothing else really matters except for that. It, it just the result is that I need to be right, or I need to win. I need to, and if it's possible to not compete and still win, fantastic. Mm. Um, so how does that show up in your conflict with your wife sometimes? <laughs> Well, that's a little different because um, I, the one thing I do with you, um, and I think that you could probably agree with me, is that when I'm wrong, I will say it. I will say, you know what, you're right. I still want to be right. I still want to prove you wrong, but I will have to acknowledge when you're right. Mm -hmm. And that took a lot of courage and time for me to, to come to that. So we can be in disagreement, and then you call me out on something, and I'm like, oh, shit, you're right. Okay, that part is right, and then I'll still try to make my point. Um, and, but what I've come to understand is that, is that sometimes me wanting to make a point, sure, there might be a result there, but it's also because I feel like we're not connecting. I feel like the essence of the conversation hasn't really been articulated, and it's usually because I'm, so try, I'm trying so quickly to get to the result and get away from you seeing me in a bad light. I just want to get there so that you can still like roses and rainbows all over me. Um, that I'm this amazing person. Meanwhile, like I don't want to share the the uncomfortableness of of me getting there. And so I'll sometimes try to bypass to the end result and not sort of walk through. Okay, this is what I was actually thinking, and that's a communication error on my part because I just I don't want to feel any of the discomfort. I just want to get to the result that makes me look 
like I got it all, I got everything together. Right. Would you would you agree with that, or do you have anything yes. you want to add? Well, no, I think this is a good point for us to make in the even just in summary of our conversation. It's like that that is the thing that creates um, disconnect in a conflict is our desire to not want to be uncomfortable yeah. or not to be seen in not a certain to be loved, way. Like you said, yeah, yeah, not to feel accepted and all of these things. So if we can get out of our own way and release the stories that have brought us to this moment, then we can actually see the moment for what it actually is. And mm -hmm. then from that, there can be so much more growth, whether that's your internal conflict or whether it's a conflict with your partner or friends or a, a boss at work, any, anything, all of it's getting informed by your hormonal imp or blueprint, by your emotions, by your ability to step into sympathetic quickly or if you can get out of it or not. So if the we cultural can, conditioning, the cultural conditioning, all of that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So if we can start to see that more clearly, then I think the conflicts, we don't have to be afraid of them. We can actually use them to grow. Yeah, they can be a catalyst for growth. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. Okay, well, more, more conversations like this to come. So as you can see, there's a ton of different conversations that can come up around the changes that happen to our hormonal system over time and just the way that our physical body feels, looks, adapts, responds to life's ongoing stressors. Yeah, so it's so important to self-reflect and understand and have support in understanding what is happening, how your hormones are changing, and how your lifestyle needs to change accordingly. Yeah, so we wanna invite you into our masterclass program called the Metabolic Upgrade. And this is where we're teaching people how to fast, how to get control of their metabolic function, what how, what's a mitochondria, what does it mean to make more energy in your body, to have energy to heal, mm -hmm. right? And especially that insulin resistance piece that we spoke about, and we really wanna tap into that and understand like what is happening with my blood sugar levels and that weight gain around the abdominal area and all those things that we feel like we can't control. Yeah, so weight loss resistance doesn't have to be your reality, it doesn't have to be anyone's reality. When we start to really understand our hormonal system, what our body needs to do in order to metabolically become more flexible, this is a huge part of this journey. Yeah, so join us. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Health Ignited podcast. Be sure to download, subscribe, and share as we build this conscious community together. You can also find us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and our website, drsjensen.com. Please note all information on this podcast is not and should not be taken as medical advice. Please see a healthcare professional to receive the care needed. Thank you for sharing this time with us, igniting your health freedom. And welcome to the tribe.